You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, geez. It's the Eater Upsell. It's the Eater Upsell. Coming back at you live from the Vox Media Podcast Network. My name is Daniel Janine. I am a producer at Eater, and I'm in the studio with Amanda Clute, who is the big boss, the editor-in-chief. <laughs> Hi, Daniel. Eater.com. Eater Media. You know, Eater written yeah. stuff. Yeah, the Eater universe. Yeah, all the Eater things. Anyway, that's really exciting for me. Uh, <laughs> this this show, the Eater Upsell, is a is a is a weekly show where we count down the biggest, most important, funniest stories from the week. We separate them with a the sound of a bell, like this one that I have in studio. But Watch usually, out. I edit in. Here we go. Yeah, wow. we we have our own bell now. We have a bell now. We are so in the big out. leagues. Daniel ordered us a bell. <laughs> Yeah, so we you know we talk stories, give some takes, and we get out of here. It's That's right. really that simple. Uh, if you like the show, please remember to send it on to a friend, subscribe to it, rate it on the podcast platform, whatever, and uh, shoot us emails, upsell at eater.com with ideas, things you want us to talk about. If you have any, here's the prompt this week, because we've been getting some emails. Okay. This is an old one, but if you've had any weird uh, restaurant experiences or something, you know, from the last few months that you want us to, uh, if you write them out, we'll read them, and we'll, uh, we'll give our opinion. And if you have any other things, you know, but I, I always find for me it's yeah. helpful when I have a prompt. Yeah, that's a good prompt. Or if you have any hot takes. Oh, hot takes are always Do you, great. Are, are we going to hear some hot takes from you this week, Daniel? I don't know if I've, I don't know what kind of spice feeling, I've got in the chamber right spicy. now. Feeling <laughs> spicy. How about you? You just had a relaxing vacation, so you're probably going to be like. I took a four-day weekend. That uh, publicity stunt sounds really lovely. <laughs> <laughs> no, man. I Four days is not enough to smooth out my rough edges. <laughs> So I've still well, good I've still for got, the sake of the pot. Still got some spicy takes. Uh, all right, let's get into it. Up first, have you heard of this new water brand called Liquid Death? Thank you for not calling it Bro Water. I have, <laughs> I have heard of Liquid Death, the water brand. Uh, can you explain to the listenership what it is? Yeah, I don't think I am the world expert on uh, well, no Liquid it's, Death. It's new, but basically, it's cans of water meant to look like or. Not meant to look like they are tall boys in the same way you would see a mm-hmm. tall boy of beer. They yeah. come in, you know, a, a case of 12. They look exactly like beer. And they're covered in kind of tattoo, punk rock imagery. And their their idea is like strangle your thirst or murder murder, murder your thirst. It says liquid death, mountain water, murder your thirst murder on it. the can. Yeah. Like strangle it, you know, annihilate it, decimate your thirst. Oh, yeah, on the the website it says instantly decapitates your thirst. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's ridiculous. Uh, the The point of it is that they want people who are drinking water at concerts and uh, you know at events not to feel like they're drinking, not to feel like they're drinking water, not to be the people doing the plastic bottle when everyone else is having super fun time right. with a tall can of beer. For straight edge people to have their like, it's like their mocktail. It's it, right. It, it's kind like, of is that what you think? Like, it's supposed to look kind of like a like a real drink. I think that's what they yeah. wanted to think. I, I don't want them to, that, to, that. to make anyone uncomfortable for for drinking uh, bottles of water. I think also they're trying to be really funny. Like, if you look at the the website, it yeah. says our proprietary thirst murdering TM process begins with liquid death forming a rope of veins that will wrap around your thirst head and strangle it. Once liquid death reaches your thirst brain, all of your thirst memories will be replaced with repeating loops of its own head imploding. So it's like they're being over the top and kind of funny. Is it funny to you? I, I like um, anything absurdist. Mm-hmm. So I like the absurdity of it. I'm freaking I, game for this shit. I, I know sorry. it's gotten a lot of crap on the internet for being so broy. Right. And like I do agree with people who are the the part we didn't mention is that they just raised one point six million dollars. Yeah. Um and it's founded by some like Netflix former Netflix, former Netflix yeah, yeah, guy yeah. and like all the people behind it. It's just like <laughs> so annoying that there are so many things I would like to see in the world and that I don't love that 1.6 of VC money is going into this like silly yeah. project. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If it were a silly project that were truly indie and just funny, it's like that's funny. They're trying to make water look like beer and they're being a little over the top. But you think they want to make this a real business? Well, I think the fact that they raised $1.6 million, like, oh man. So many other, so many other things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's a, like I don't. It's a think, little silly for in sure, that but there's a lot of really silly things. Yes, there are tons of silly things. This people is are just spending one their money of them. On. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I do. I think one thing they're trying to lean into is this idea that it's like super punk or punk rock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is maybe also a little silly because people <laughs> who are very punk rock like aren't into raising a shit ton of VC money to launch a product. So they've raised a lot of money. They're really silly. Made a lot of people mad. It makes me mad how mad people got. It's fine, you know? Like, it's a water brand. They're not doing anything evil. They're just... They're, it's a big swing. They're just taking a big swing with their branding. And yeah. they're not insulting anyone. Well, I think the criticism that you can just be um, a privileged man with a funny idea and then get all this backing and you can be like a hardworking anyone else and not is maybe valid. I would like to separate. So that's where I think that. 100% agreed. I would like to separate the idea from the crazy branding because the idea of a tall boy water, I can see a lot of application for that. I would, I hate being at a, I don't go to that many concerts, but I hate being at a concert getting a water and it comes as one of the dinky Poland spring bottles. Mm -hmm. I hate those Poland spring bottles. Be much more game for it. I also want more water. And Poland spring bottles suck because they take the cap away so you can't flip the cap on stage. This at least, you know, (laughs) you have, you have, you are on the same level portability wise and uh, mobility wise as a beer drinker. Oh, and I'll say when you're not drinking, it is nice to have something that's a little different. Can I also tell you something that you're going to super hate? Yes. I think it'd be fun to shotgun one of these things. <laughs> <laughs> you know, for those who don't know, well, shotgunning is puncturing the bottom of the <laughs> beer can 
and then holding it up like a scuba mask, opening the top and then chugging it as fast as possible. Mm -hmm. Let the games begin. You know, luckily, Daniel already ordered some of this. <laughs> wow. So we can find out soon. Yeah. How his shotgunning experiment. I'm went. not a good shot. I'm terrible at chugging. Terrible at chugging. All right. So uh, is it just is it just spill it all over yourself? Just a mess? <laughs> no, I'm just very slow. Oh, just, yeah. Very okay. slow and methodical. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> I feel like I could come up with a, I feel like we could come up with better ways for them. If you want to make a splash, I think there are better, more inclusive uh, ways to make a splash that are not going to make it feel so niche. Yeah. That's my one issue with it. Like, what if they had New Yorker cartoons or something on them? I, <laughs> right, like the, car wow, the cartoon. Wow, my God, speaking of niche New Yorker cartoons. <laughs> Maybe don't do New Yorker. But the cartoon that is advertising this has, like, this really buff, shirtless man where the liquid death can is his head, and he has an axe, and he's chopping off other heads. Yeah. It's just very violent and masculine in its branding. So that yeah. I mean, they maybe aren't doing themselves favors, but it's also funny. Yeah. So that's what it I'm is. Some say. people's idea of funny is some people's idea of funny. Yeah. And let's make let's attack water. We should all be drinking more water, according to Rocco Despirito. Mm -hmm. And uh, let's gamify it. Anything you can gamify, I think. You're How going, is it? What's game? Oh, just making it silly. Make it a game. I want to. I'm going to go out there and murder some water today. <laughs> You know, and you I. You are actually like <laughs> the prime demographic for this. <laughs> Daniel, did you read the Danny Boeing uh, Arizona iced tea story? Yeah, I, uh, and the and the backlash and the backlash. Well, and the let's backlash get into and, it. I think okay. it's it's fascinating. Okay, so Danny Bowen, who owns Mission Chinese, mm -hmm. uh, which is a two unit restaurant group, is that correct? In Manhattan and Brooklyn. Three. The three. Well, there's SF still. SF still. Right, right, right. Okay. He is doing an Arizona iced tea menu in his Bushwick yeah. location. Yeah. And it's funny because that inspired us to do a piece about how Arizona iced tea is so cool right now. Like it's so hip yeah. with all the like streetwear people and young millennials. Good colors. Uh, yeah, cool colors. It's like having a comeback. Um, As everything and does. And the New York Times and Pete Wells took it as an opportunity to kind of call out um, Danny Bowen is a sellout. And the case he makes is that Danny Bowen is more of a sellout than chefs in the past. Like the examples he used, the people he got quotes from, which was funny to me, was like <laughs> Bobby Flay, because he famously sold out to Faye the yogurt, but right. he didn't incorporate it on his restaurant menu. Right. Therefore, Danny Bowen's a bigger sellout. Or we're at a new phase of selling out where you're putting these branded products on your menu. And then he also had this argument about how he's selling this like sugary menu yeah. in Bushwick where I the so obesity takes. rates are so high. So many takes. So that's the that's the general gist of the article, right? Let's, Wait, what what did, did I lay that I out correctly? I think you're good. I think okay. you're good. Yeah. So there's the obesity thing, there's mm -hmm. the this is a bigger sellout thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think we should we should let's split this up. Mm-hmm. Okay, first attack was that this is a stronger form of selling out than chefs have done in the past. Even chefs who have left the kitchen to spend lives on television and who have done huge collaborations, making entire menus for companies and designing right. products. Right. So the quote he gets is from Bobby Flay, which basically implies Bobby. Bobby Flay says, my menu is sacred. Which he, Yeah. So he's saying. It seems as if the first part is saying that you can do whatever you want as a chef, but like, God forbid, we break this spiritual wall 
of the menu. Like of when the you bring restaurant. it to the menu, then you are crossing a line. Yeah, like the restaurant menu or the restaurant is the true horcrux, the true. Uh, center of a chef's spiritual integrity. Well, the idea being, this is your art. Yeah. And then what whatever you, you want to do to make TV money on the side, or magazines, that's your personal brand. Is fine, but it has nothing to do with your art and your business. Yeah. You're like, yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, I guess this is a fair. It's a fair question to make. People always. I, I don't know how I get I get into this, but people are always like, why do these big famous celebrity chefs still bother having restaurants? And I say there is something intangible that comes with having an, a good restaurant mm-hmm. that kind of protects you from the sellout. Yeah, argument. it justifies your existence in this like yeah. world. Even though financially it makes no sense, I completely get it when I see like these big famous people going to spend an hour a day at the mm-hmm. restaurants. So that totally makes sense to me. I, I can understand the argument that the menu that the restaurant and the menu are like the, the sacred ground. But I don't know. It's hard to not think like Mission Chinese is fantastic. Like right. is, is a fantastic restaurant. These restaurants that he's quoting, he's quoting chefs from are all are all terrible. <laughs> much. Well, they're they're definitely more. If you're using Bobby Flay as the example, like he's not the best example of a chef who's in his restaurant and really there. I mean, he would say with the recent place he that would he would say, say that he's not. But that he's, he's there. a very good example of someone who's like a TV chef mm-hmm. and like big endorsement deal chef, like was on Entourage. Like maybe he's at Gato, but not all the time. Mm-hmm. Danny Bowen's actually like he's become this weird um like hip streetwear phenomenon. Yeah. He's like walking down runways, but mm-hmm. he's still like I don't he's, think anyone would ever accuse him of, of abandoning his restaurants. Yeah, he's not an absentee no. chef. And like when I saw this this partnership, I thought this is a sellout, but a sellout in such a Danny way of like, <laughs> what a cool brand. Like he's probably not even making that much money off of it. Like it's probably just like, I think this brand is cool. If you take the article at face value, this is a really important point. Mm-hmm. If you take the article at face value, it seems the only money he made was from the corporate buyout that they did on the first night. Right. So it's like- And they get corporate buyouts a lot. So if he wanted to- it's n- it doesn't seem like the play is for the money. Yeah. Which I think is important to consider. And I think the brand and his, I don't know, appreciation for the brand yeah. is also important to consider. And so why is, I don't know. No, no, I, uh, you're 100% right. I want to I wanna wedge my way in between, uh, in between this argument mm-hmm. and kind of defend both of them a little bit. Yeah. And just this first thing. I can fully buy the, the Wells idea that the menu and the restaurants should be sacred. Yeah, I do too. But I think that uh, these brand plays should not be looked at with such a, a black and white approach. Mm-hmm. Like, I trust Danny to do to like do something fun with this and do this for reasons of creative inspiration. Mm-hmm. Or maybe maybe that's just me. Like being you have to take into context who the chef is and what the brand is. A hundred percent. Like what about Roy Choi doing like Cheetos menus, like incorporating Cheetos into his? Food? See, I think it's fun. It, it, that's that's fascinating because Roy Choi does so much for the community that I feel like he gets he gets a pass entirely, right? To like, you or to pe- media? Or? It seems like to media he gets a pass. Not for obviously not with Pete Wells either. Roy Choi is a, specifically a wild card mm-hmm. because his response to any media whatsoever is completely unhinged. Like he just goes on these crazy Twitter tirades and like yeah. it's like super paranoid and a little like, yeah. oh, what's going on with yeah. you? So I don't necessarily think he gets a pass. Uh, but yeah, he's another interesting character where it's like, well, he does so much for the community and then he does this weird corporate sellout kind mm-hmm. of thing with Cheetos. At least Arizona, 
I mean, we're really getting into nitty gritty of brands, but it's independently owned. It's yeah. not like, yeah. Like I think a funny example. Well, we can get into the other examples. I mean, there's so many examples of selling out. I just yeah. think one of my favorite that we've talked about actually on the show is with Marcus Samuelson, and we were saying effectively, Bud, what's the deal with the airport restaurants? Like, mm-hmm. how can you still have those? How can right. you take yourself seriously and have an airport restaurant? And he's like, I try to do so much with Red Rooster, um, and those restaurants lose money. I have to do these other yeah, things to, fund to balance this. the books. But with this, if he's we, not, if we no. agree, if we believe that he's not making tons of money off of yeah. it, then it is kind of a his funny response, thing. which which came up uh, on through L.A. Times, um, was he thought that this was a move to be more populist in his approach to food, that to right. make it accessible to everyone. Yeah, like people love this brand. Which actually I want to appeal to these people, why not? I mean, I think we should that aspect of it say really clearly yeah. because there are some people, I know I was watching the Slack conversations yeah. where everyone wanted to jump to Danny's defense. It's still a sellout move. You're still putting this brand on your menu. And the question is, yeah. is it such a sellout move that the time should write this big piece against it holding up Bobby Flay and Tom Colicchio as the counterexamples <laughs> of like okay fairness, acceptable ways to sell out. They linked out to a Tom Colicchio Diet Coke commercial from 2009 yeah. where it's just like him in a fancy restaurant and he's like when it's simple and it works like why look elsewhere and it's just him drinking Diet Coke <laughs> yeah. at the bar while like a bunch of shit catches on fire or something. But so, like I mean if you're thinking about companies to partner with mm-hmm. like I would go with Arizona iced tea over Coca-Cola right. any day. Right. So I get I, I guess like I appreciate I appreciate that a character like Wells exists because I think um there is something there that should be attacked. Mm-hmm. Like maybe the restaurant should be preserved. But I, I just think he chose just the worst, yeah. just the worst <laughs> yeah, target there, there, for it. Something is up when brands are getting onto menus, yeah. like a la yeah. the Jack Daniels. TGI Friday's wings. Yeah. But this, I think this is actually a really interesting example because the brand is so quote unquote cool. Right. And because of Danny's desire to be populist and because of this idea that he's probably not making tons of money. And then you look at this older guard of chef of Tom Colicchio and Bobby Flay. Right. And I think he treats it like it was a streetwear brand, like, like yeah. he's collaborating with a clothing brand. Exactly. And so. I don't think he thinks he's compromising his food at all. No, he thinks he's up-leveling the cool factor. Yeah, which is fascinating. So I think Wells uh, got that aspect wrong or right or like to Wells maybe it doesn't matter at all. The right. next part, let's talk about the the sugary the sugary drink. Oh, thing. I know. Um, Where he's saying he's peddling unhealthy food to a neighborhood with high obesity <laughs> rates. Which is like, if you're going to criticize a restaurant for that, then you have to criticize so many restaurants. Yeah. Well, so again, I kind of want to wedge my way in the middle. Yeah. Because I think there is a lot of uh, that I see in, in our world um, where people are are making brands super cool and making them like hip and playful. And sometimes it's just like super sugary stuff and i feel like it, it it's it's a way to justify mm-hmm. um just a a huge uh influx of sugar right so i'm okay with noting it but again i don't think it's not the right choice it's again it's the totally it's totally the wrong choice like let's wait for someone let's wait for someone to do a coke another coca-cola endorsement or another 
uh, I mean, anything, anything sugary. Right. And that is not just a small event in a restaurant. Or if it was a restaurant with those kind of values, like if mm-hmm. Sweet Green was doing some sort of Coca-Cola salad or yeah. I, I don't know. It, the, the calorie counts at so many restaurants are going to be so high mm-hmm. no matter what. So singling him out for doing this unhealthy partnership at Mission Chinese where like none of the food is going to be. There is like a hedonistic vibe to Mission's aesthetic, which an ex- extremely sugary beverage right. plays into and it and it's part of the fun. Yeah. So uh, again, it's especially it's, at that location. This is not necessarily a food story. I mean, this whoa, is definitely whoa, 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 sorry, whoa. sorry, sorry, it's a food story. <laughs> it's not a here? news item, okay? okay? Yeah. But it is something that uh, a food related thing that has come up in my life that I think is super weird that okay. I want to tell you about. Tell me. Uh, my friend, good friend of mine is moving in with his girlfriend. They're moving into an apartment somewhere in Brooklyn. Okay. And they found an amazing place. Uh, I'm going to spare you the details, but amazing place, amazing deal, beautiful kitchen, beautiful building. Uh, you know, it's like a one-story walk-up. Doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Everything is was too good to be true. But there's, there's a catch. There is a catch. The owners of the building and the landlords who live there are kind of like hippie Israeli people. Mm-hmm. The catch is they're it's a allowed Nope, they're allowed to have the apartment. They 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 in, inflict on them n- no other rules, but they are not allowed to cook meat. There's not allowed to be any hot oh, meat in the house. No hot so, meat in the house. So can have prosciutto, can have salami, can have uh, chicken salad, uh-huh. as long as it doesn't give off a smell. Like that. Well, that, that's not what he said directly. Uh-huh. But that is is what I assume. Like they don't want to smell. Obviously, they don't care. Like they don't care if you have uh, cold cuts and stuff. So they don't care that dead meat is in the mm-hmm. in the building. They just don't want to smell it. Is this a thing that you've heard before? I've never heard of it before. How about you? I mean, you would you would know better than I. I think. I've never heard of that. Oh, you were asking me as a Jew. No, no, I was just asking you. Yeah, we don't let people cook meat. <laughs> like, have you ever heard of this before? <laughs> I haven't heard of it. I haven't actually heard of any any rule. I mean, I don't know. Are there vegan? Are there vegan condos? I'm sure there are landlords who've done this, especially as small buildings, right? As someone who doesn't like other people telling her what to do. <laughs> no, I can never abide by that rule. Even if it was the most perfect place at the most perfect price point. Yes. Why not? Like, because how, cooking how meat is a big part of my life. We have a lot of dinner parties. We can't just all of a sudden go. I mean, we could, but I'm not going to do it because of this landlord. Even at free rent? Like, how big? Free rent. Okay. I'm just saying, like, how big a deal right, is it? Everybody has their price. Free rent. Meat? Oh, I don't mean to give you, like, that's a, that's an easy to take. To not cook meat. You could just go crazy. You could spend so much money and bringing in the world's best prosciuttos and. You really. I'm going back to prosciutto. prosciutto. I, yeah, well, I'm just. You're, you're just imagining your life in this apartment where you would just eat prosciutto. I would just eat so time. much prosciutto. I think prosciutto to me represents. So you could bring in. <laughs> Other cooked meat, right? Like if you order takeout, yeah, or, or because that smell. <laughs> I don't think you could order a hamburger delivery, right? I don't That'd think you tough. could order like pepperoni pizza. It'd be tough. I mean, I I think vegetarianism is the right way to go. I just don't know if I I don't know if I'm ready for it. 
you know. Well, that sounds like another. What are you like? You're waiting on the edge of this ledge, about to jump no, to a path like, of righteousness. What do you mean? I, I, when did you decide that vegetarianism I think, is the well, way to go? I think it's it just is. Well, obviously, like we shouldn't be eating as much meat as we do. It's I a just good don't thing think you are not I at the can... helm of an important food blog where you could spread your doctrine <laughs> on the on. It's the... not a doctrine. Don't you think it would be better if we were all vegetarians? I know someone who is a vegetarian, um, but will eat meat when she can prove and when she knows that it's ethically when she kills sourced it and raised. herself. For, no, no, but for real, like if right, she right. was on a, yeah. a farm or whatever. Like, it's not. Would you do it, Dan? What do you think? It's Are a, your I friends going to do it? We work. Are they going to abide? Work. They don't cook that much at home, so I don't, I don't think it matters that much. What I said to him initially that I actually don't know if it's, it's fully right, but what it was like, if they're going to say don't cook meat, they're not going to have much trouble being like, hey, don't walk around past 1030. You know, your feet are really heavy. You know, I just don't think I think if you're making if you're making well, he might just need to interrogate what is the root of this? Like, are they crazy control freaks or <laughs> is it just this one issue? I think they are probably pretty chill. They're like, smoke as much weed as you want, <laughs> yeah. you know, or but I don't know. I, I could see it going any direction. Yeah, they're like, hey, we saw someone showed up with prosciutto to your sex party. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel, food story. Uh, I love breaking, those. Breaking news: Amex just acquired Resi, the reservations platform. Yeah, I think. What that's do you think? Uh, Disclosure: founded by Eater founder Ben Leventhal, who is no longer affiliated with Eater. No, he hasn't been here since 2009. He was your original boss. He was my original boss. He was my boss for a full year. Was he like, oh, I'm going to uproot this reservation system? I had no idea. I was very surprised. <laughs> he went on to work at a couple other places before founding Resi. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like there's been, there's just so many attacks on reservation apps. You know, they completely changed the game but from OpenTable on. Mm-hmm. And they all kind of have their own unique approach. You know, Resi is one that... Uh, claims to do a better job of curating the quality of restaurants mm-hmm. and you can trust that even a resi uh, reservation that has even even something that you can score on a Friday at 7 p.m. when it's 645 and you're like where do I eat that that's going to be an okay restaurant you know right I think that's become less of the case as they've gotten bigger yeah like I think that definitely was the case but I don't I'm not able to use them for discovery yeah. so much anymore here's what I love and hate about this deal they were bought by Amex uh-huh as, as a bad planner and someone that likes to get, eat at good restaurants, mm-hmm. I'm always like, how can I game the system? Mm-hmm. Resi lets you set up those notifications yeah. so that when someone cancels, you can swoop in. That's my favorite feature. Yeah, it's great. Um, but I love it, that they do that. Bought by Amex. Amex has all of these uh, rewards systems for their, you know, their elite and super elite, whatever. Is are we going to have a situation where Amex has oh, priority? You think over certain good reservations? I mean. You know, when, I don't have a super fancy MX card, but for people who have like the high tiered ones, mm-hmm. I mean, I have the platinum one, so I can call, I've never actually used it, but they will call and help you with reservations. Mm-hmm. But, you know, as you work up your way up the chain, um, they will like hustle you reservations. Like they right, will have right. elite spots at, I think it's more so for nightclubs and airline travel and things like that. But uh, wh- what's stopping them from having uh, a couple tables that are for Amex? Yeah. Purple or Amex mm-hmm. maroon or whatever. Well, we've seen that pop up with Amex before where, um, you know, like the EMP summer house. You yeah. have to be an Amex yeah. card holder to get a reservation. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Hopefully they would keep it separate. Like hopefully the notifications would still work. Since I'm that's... sure the notifications will still work. I'm just saying maybe they'll have a couple tables. Yeah. 
that are but you would never know we would never know unless we unless we were like well shit i gotta get to that status now (laughs) i need those connections uh so i don't like i don't know if i don't like it because a part of me is like i like the game but part of me appreciates how democratic restaurant reservations are also first of all they're not democratic second of all uh you're just speculating you're I'm just, just assuming. What do we do here? <laughs> just talk out of our ass. Speculators. Yeah. <laughs> Come for speculations. Come for mm-hmm. some hard news, but stay for the speculations. Right. That's what I tell people when they ask me what this show is. Mm-hmm. Anyway, go on. <laughs> yeah. Restaurant reservations are not very democratic. No. <laughs> so I've, okay. Well, and stay for Amanda's <laughs> Withering on the spot corrections of Dan. I guess this, this begs the question Have you heard of this place in Maine? Uh, this restaurant uh, owned by chef Aaron French. Oh, yeah. Called Lost Kitchen. Mm-hmm. The way that they give out their reservations. You have to like write them a letter? You have to write them a letter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I appreciate. I'm, so, I'm all for uh, romantic ideals of like hospitality. Mm-hmm. I would be the worst at this. I. Would, I hate planning ahead. I, I'm oh, not yeah. very sentimental. I also just think it really raises the stakes on how good you have to be as a restaurant if you're making it that hard. Oh, I love that take. You know? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, it would suck. Like applying slash to college be great or something. To walk out and be like, I wrote a letter for this. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> I had to go buy paper. Yeah. I had to buy a stamp. Right, right, right. <laughs> I don't have envelopes. What if Amex bought this restaurant too, The Lost Kitchen? That'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. What does Colgate mean by live life to the brightest? Could it be a rich glass of red sipped inside a Parisian cafe on a snowy night when my gaze is met by a tall, mysterious... <coughs> I mean, brushing is directed with Colgate Optic White Pro Series Toothpaste gives you a visibly whiter smile in just three days so you can live life to the brightest and finish that glass without worrying about teeth stains. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. All right, Amanda. All right, Dan. <laughs> uh, up next in the studio, we have Jenny Zhang, who wrote a piece this, which uh, I don't know if it came out this Sunday, but uh, about brands gunning for Mother's Day, trying mm-hmm. to get press. Bunch of gimmicks. And I believe there are three gimmicks, and I wanted her to tell you what those gimmicks were slash are, and I want your appraisal of them. Cool. You, you game? Yeah. All right. Hey, Jenny. Hi. <laughs> Am I? Yeah, yeah, you're okay. on. You're on the air. Uh, so yeah, this weekend, um, I think the the Friday before Mother's Day, I was I just noticed all the these brands doing dumb gimmicks like they always do, <laughs> um, and they're like mostly harmless. But it just seems really. Jenny, you love brands on social media, right? It's kind of it's become a little kind of your beat. I mean, not oh, your like, only beat, like but it's definitely them? something that you like to pay attention to. 
Yeah, I guess that's accurate. You know what the best day to watch brands on social media is? What? April Fool's? 9-11. Wow. Oh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is a pretty good one. Um, <laughs> the best thing to do would just be not post anything at all. Don't. Like, don't just don't. But There's they no do. Need. They do. But they do. And they all turn on to like, I don't know, like here's some waffle fries. We're remembering the heroes who fell. Yeah. And it's, it's very awkward. But for Mother's Day, I mean, these are actual gimmicks that they're doing, right? So it's not just social. Well, right. There's a difference between uh, putting up some kind of silly remembrance post and actually offering something to your beloved customers. Mm -hmm. These are all offers. These are all the brands giving away something to mothers on Mother's Day. What is the first one? Okay. One of them was Tim Hortons. Tim Hortons, beloved Canadian coffee chain. Yeah, I was gonna say maybe that is your your chain. Well, like your I certainly chain. grew up on it. It's the actually it's the is only thing. Is it like thing. the Dunkin' of Canada? Yeah, but it's it's considered, I would say, better than Dunkin'. So Tim Hortons, they had a deal uh, where it was on Sunday, Mother's Day, <laughs> only six participating locations around what? the US. Yeah. Only six, so not even across mm. the whole nation. Um if you asked for a mom size coffee. <laughs> they would give you just this humongous 52-ounce iced coffee, Yeah, um, which is absurd. Like, no one should have that much coffee in one sitting or well, in a day. Maybe or, you'll share it. Yeah, I guess that maybe maybe you'll share it with your family. Save it for later. Save it for the next day. <laughs> yeah. And it's 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 absurdly huge looking. It looks like uh, like the biggest big gulp. Bigger than the biggest big gulp almost from 7-Eleven. Yeah, I think it's they, they're bragging. <laughs> it's like the, the biggest size drink currently like that was available on nice, that single nice. day at any like quick service chain. All right, what is your reaction to it, Jenny? Um, I mean it on one hand it seems like relatively harmless, like sure, give me more free coffee, but on the other hand, what about like all of these they kind <laughs> of they rely on like gender norms and tropes that, you know, we're supposed to be too progressive to fall for anymore. Nice. And yet they all sort of like hinge on those images of like mom is hustling and like busy and picking up kids from soccer and you know gotta go home and and get dinner on the table while she also has to like go to work as like a a power mom Mm -hmm. in her business suit and stuff like that so she needs more than 30 ounces of coffee for that yeah she needs 52 ounces to get through the day (laughs) amanda yeah same same (laughs) don't need it mom-sized anything (laughs) i can't think of anything mom-sized that i would want yeah cool all right What's number two? The next one I looked at was Tropicana, um, the <laughs> the orange juice purveyor. Uh, they had a Mother's Day hotline from 5 a.m. to 2 p.m. on Sunday where, like, in their PR email to Eater, they said explicitly, this is for dads and kids to give them advice so that they can make breakfast in bed for their moms. And, again, like, yeah. I guess it's like harmless, but it's again just like sort of leaning into that the image and those stereotypes of new show. I guess it's like harmless. (laughs) Yeah, that that is relatively harmless in the spectrum of life, but But still not needed. Is that the mom wouldn't need the helpline for breakfast in bed? Right. Well, it's her day off, allegedly. So sorry. Yeah. (laughs) What did I? I Relatively. I guess Dan is like, relatively harmless. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the assumption is like, again, like mom is on breakfast duty all the time, every single other day of the year, when maybe the dad should make breakfast. Maybe kids should just eat cereal. Like maybe no one eats breakfast at all, which I don't eat breakfast usually. Right. So this is kind of problematic for like intermittent fasting people who would never <laughs> eat breakfast. 
Well, I just don't want crumbs in my bed. I don't like the encouragement of people making me bed breakfast. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing I feel like I've heard plenty of moms say where they're like, actually, like in practice, breakfast in bed turns out not that great. Sounds not like that enjoyable mess. most of the time. Mm-hmm. It's a nice gesture. Harmless. But. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Amanda, what do you think? You're fine with it? I mean, it's just, I feel like a waste of marketing dollars. I also wonder the projection that they would have to do to calculate how many operators they would need is like, <laughs> I, I imagine they, it would be very tough to get it right. So either they would just have a huge amount of operators sitting in a room being like, has anyone like gotten a one, call? One. <laughs> or this hotline just gets slammed and you call and they're like, there's an hour and 15 minute wait or to no speak to a Or no one calls. <laughs> no one calls. <laughs> right. Like so. how many calls? I mean, they Who don't have like, super no active social media, so I don't really know. People call the much. Butterball hotline to. That's a real t- thing, though. Yeah. Uh, I would like to. Are they like, and now put the cream in the eggs, and now, like, yeah, like, how are they going to help you? I mean, right. one of their examples was like, what's the ratio of OJ to bubbly to mimosa? So, yeah. I mean, these are all oh, like, that very sucks. That's the, like a Their Google one example thing. was OJ based? <laughs> yeah, of that was course their first Play example, it cool, yeah. Tropicana. <laughs> no. This is not about playing it cool. What was the final one? Uh, the last one was Kraft, which didn't, they did an interesting thing, um, where they promised to basically reimburse up to a hundred dollars worth of like a a babysitting bill for, um, any mom who sort of like uploaded their receipt to their website, which is an interesting idea. I'm not as like negative Nancy about this as any of the others, because this is like an actual, you know, thing that could in theory provide actual like relief or time off or something for you know parents uh, mm-hmm. during this holiday yeah yeah same free money yeah uh, people upload the receipt and then they receive like a hundred dollars worth of craft product or something <laughs> yeah I mean <laughs> that would be pretty bad Do I think you, it's just a straight reimbursement yeah uh, what holidays are coming up is there any uh, any any things you're looking forward to to see how how badly brands fumble oh, I guess like every kind of holiday like <laughs> I mean I'm sure every we have day so is Christmas every, for brands yeah. fumbling on yes. Twitter they I mean dads and grads coming yeah. up dads and grads <laughs> dads what is grads graduation oh, graduation we always day. get press releases that just say like dads and grads <laughs> <laughs> did you know that Jenny I didn't know the grads in particular that's like a weird sort of <laughs> they just of lump them together lump them so together <laughs> Because you don't care enough about either one. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's like a okay two for one. Jenny, thank you so much for uh, for coming by to uh, keep us up on the brand's Mother's Day uh, strange promotion beat. Yeah, R- harmless, of relatively harmless, relatively harmless, but still, uh, but still annoying. a waste of energy. Yeah. All right, Daniel. There was a take in the New York Times last week. Take about, City about Aperol spritzes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, What's your take mm-hmm. on the take? Well, let's Should we tell, say what the take is? Well, let's let's share what the take was. Okay. Take take one. New York Times getting aggressive with the headlining, saying the Aperol Spritz is not a good drink. Right. Twitter goes wild. Twitter goes wild. Which Instagram was the went intent, wild. I imagine. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, you've read the article. I've read the article. You don't feel like the headline was entirely appropriate? No, I think it was appropriate. I just think the article, as is almost always the case, has <laughs> yeah. a little more nuance to it than yeah. just Aperol Spritz is not a good drink. This is a woman who has a book about aperitifs, and she's saying, hey, there are You're more— You're saying st- she has some skin in the game? She has some skin in the game, and she's just saying, hey, there are more sophisticated mm-hmm. spritz-like drinks out there that you yeah. might want to know about. This drink that is so, so popular right now— is usually overly sugary, made with bad product. Yeah. And like you guys can do better. Yep. It really boils down to try different product to yeah. make the Aperol spritz. Yeah. And the ratio is the same, three, two, one. Right. Three parts champagne or three parts. Yeah, play around one. with right. your spritz a little bit. Um, it's, you know, they, they'd want to make it m- 
more of a take mm-hmm. than it had to be, but that's what their job is. <laughs> yeah, you know, it get exploded. people to get people to click, get people to talk about it. It was, it was like uh, on the morning shows the next day. Yeah, it was on TV. There were reactions all over the internet. It, yeah. Outside, blew way outside of the food world. Yeah. Are you uh, a spritz fan? Aperol spritz fan? Well, no, but I'm. I mean, they're delicious. I like. Aper- I actually haven't. I don't think I've had a spritz, a non-aperol spritz. I can't remember a time when I've oh, had a non-aperol mm-hmm. spritz. I like them. I mean, they're just. They're kind of like drink candy. I mean, yeah. they're one of those drinks that like you're never going to be like that's gross. I understand that maybe there's a more sophisticated way to uh, to have to one to start your evening. Yeah, not in. It, they're big in Italy. Like that's that's mm-hmm. isn't that? I mm-hmm. mean, isn't isn't Italy the the uh, the bastion of sophistication? Yes, this. I mean, they have a lot of Bastion. spritzes there, but different, different varieties too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I think this I, one probably has taken off in such a big way because it is so sweet. You know, Americans love them. They're sweet ass drinks. I should note that following along with any great trend, all my friends are obsessed with Aperol spritzes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I've mentioned to you that I will get texts that say like "spritz time." Or whatever. <laughs> I have a friend that lives in my building, and he'll he lives spritz time. On, he's on the 19th floor, and he'll say like. That want to totally, pop down for a spritz? That totally aligns with my vision of what your life is. Well, good. I like to. Uh, I don't. <laughs> I wanna, bring. I, don't... I bring spritzes to parties. Bring a bottle of each ingredient. As we talked about, it's a fantastic thing to bring because it, they're easy to make. Yeah. They 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 have a certain Adjust level of interactivity. Accordingly. Yeah. So it was a perfect take because they are such a popular thing right yeah. now. And they are. Would you say they're still cool? Like in your eyes, or are they? Or were they cool last year? I think they've been basic for a while. Ooh, but okay. that doesn't mean you can't enjoy them. But yeah. I wouldn't call them cool. I don't think they've been cool for. Have they a been? Bit. Were they were they cool three years ago? Maybe maybe five years ago. Well, the point is is not whether or not the spritz is cool. The point is that this is a very aggressive take, and it 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 did its job. Yeah. Uh, afterward, there was uh, I think within hours, New York Mag pulled together a actually New York Times. Yeah. Aperol spritz is a good drink. Everybody's the patting themselves on the back. The New York Times for their take going wild. <laughs> the New York Magazine people for getting their anti-take up quickly enough. Yeah. Everyone so is on this Twitter alchemy? Being... Is this all good things? Did this bring pure joy to the world? I mean, I don't know if it brought pure joy to anyone. It distracted us from... Uh, it distracted dis- us from the terrible things happening in the world, yes. <laughs> kind of fun to watch it unfold. Right. Watch people lose their minds. You know who's the big winner in all of this? Aperol? Yeah. Campari, really? who makes Aperol. Yeah. Because it's reminding everyone right at the start of spring that, like, you know what, this is a this is a refreshing drink. Yeah, oh, it sure is. Maybe you want to stick it to the New York Times by drinking one and putting it on your social media feed. New York Times is a fun uh, institution to stick it to. Mm-hmm. Um, may I ask you a question about another drink? Yeah. What do you think that the Aperol Spritz and the Negroni have any similarities or commonalities in terms of their culture's obsession with them? I think so because they're pink. Okay. All right. So, so we got some color going. That's fun. Yeah. You know what you're getting everywhere you go, pretty much, because it's like a three ingredient drink. Uh, it's easy to remember if you're anyone like, can stressed make them. out. It's easy to ask someone like, "Oh, what do you want?" Like, "Oh, just grab me a Negroni." Um, they're both like capital B basic and like <laughs> uncool to drink. Yeah. In my mind. Right. But you know, delicious, nevertheless. So if you showed up, all right. Let's say you were meeting someone that was cool. Yeah. Uh, first time meeting them, they're like, oh, swing down Thursday night. We'll go to, I don't know, some swanky new hotel. And I'll meet you for a drink. And you're like, oh, cool person, whatever. And you showed up and they were drinking a Negroni. You would be underwhelmed? No, it's fine. It's just. Would you ever order a Negroni if you were in a high pressure? Like if someone was evaluating you based on your <laughs> based on your coolness. If I wanted to seem cool, I probably wouldn't. What would you do? I don't know. A scotch, like on the rocks? <laughs> no. 
Uh-huh. I mean, a I'll pisco still, sour, perhaps. Maybe depends on the place. It really yeah, depends yeah, yeah. on the place or, and, and the mood and how like boozy I want to get. Because a Negroni, that's that's a lot of booze. You think mezcal's cool? A lot of booze for a first meeting with a stranger. Yeah, I mean, I like to get nice and. Uh, you want to get nice loose, loose right away. Right. It is sometimes nice to have a six o'clock just like shot to your brain. It's like, whoa. Sometimes little, I'm like, little, I forget I am cool. A little stroke. Yeah. <laughs> I never meet someone for the second time though, you know, so <laughs> I don't know how cool I'm It's being. a lot of first, a lot yeah, of first lot impressions of first for Daniel. Meetings, both networking anyway, and otherwise. Ding, ding, ding. Hey, we have this bell here. <laughs> Daniel, we did it. <laughs> One week down. accomplished. 50 to go. Oh, come on. We hit a, we've hit a couple weeks in a row, haven't we? Yeah. Never mind. We're moving this to Friday. We're pushing this release later and later in the week, which we should probably have talked about in the introduction. Sure. <laughs> Great. Great. I love it. <laughs> For all those who enjoyed this program, we would greatly appreciate it if you could uh, keep the love going. Tell uh, a friend. Tell a friend. Just tell them. You don't even have to do that awkward link copy thing. Just be like, hey, pal, uh, for when you're finished your bro water, I sure have a podcast for you. But we weren't calling it bro water. Oh, yeah, we're not. Sorry. What is it? Liquid death? Liquid death. This podcast has been brought to you by us, I guess, and Greg Jones and Daily Harvest, I think. Yeah, and Daily Harvest. Thanks to them. I've never done that before. It's a new thing. <laughs> I've heard other people do that, though, you know, like to just give a little, a little, extra, little, extra, little extra love extra love to the advertisers. Because you know what? They keep the lights on and the air conditioning flowing. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.